Good evening. Good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Turn to page 646. 646, the unclouded day on a cloudy day, but it doesn't have to be cloudy in here, amen? And uh, so let's sing about it tonight. Page 646, we'll sing the first, third, and last verse to begin tonight. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a king in his beauty there. And they tell me that mine eyes shall behold where he sits on the throne that is whiter than snow in the city that is made of gold oh the land of cloudless day oh the land of an unclouded day oh they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise oh they tell me of an unclouded day Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there And his smile drives their sorrows all away And they tell me that no tears ever come again In that lovely land of unclouded day Oh, the land of cloudless day Oh, the land of an unclouded day Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, sure thankful to be in God's house. Amen. Sure glad you're here. Uh, tonight, of course, our midweek service, the Oasis uh, in the Desert. Or, well, maybe we could say it like this. Tonight, some sunshine in the clouds. Amen. And so thankful for that. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Dave Shane if you would open us in prayer tonight. Uh, Rocky Harrell flung it down, uh, and uh, that was just a real uh, blessing. And, of course, we are going to be gone again uh, this weekend, be heading out Saturday evening and uh, flying to Tampa to be at the GIBF meeting there uh, at Southside Baptist Church there. And Brother Kerry Nance that preached our fall revival here a few years uh, back, and so be going uh, to that. And so this coming uh, weekend, of course, we do have our churchwide uh, outreach, and that's this coming Saturday at 10.30 in the morning, and so if you can be here for that, make sure that you are. And then, of course, Sunday, uh, Pastor Ben Quinlan, their uh, pastor's Bible Baptist Church in Glenwood, Iowa, be here uh, with us. We'll still be having a uh, combined adult Sunday school classes, uh, and so Brother Eric Watson is going to take care of that, and then Brother Ben Quinlan is going to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about there's no uh, school. Uh, Monday, uh, February 
uh, the 20th, and then the 21st, which is on Tuesday, be va- uh, volleyball and basketball games, and that'll be at Heritage uh, Baptist Church there in Lawrence, and again, it'll be at 6 o'clock in the evening, and then next Wednesday, Brother Tim uh, Quinlan be preaching uh, in the Wednesday night service uh, upstairs, and so be much in prayer uh, for him, and certainly be in your place for these uh, men of God. Please be in your place. Amen. Because the preacher doesn't take God with him anywhere. All right. Be in your place. Be an encouragement to these men of God. And don't start a bunch of rumbling and grumbling and griping and complaining. This is the only times I'm going to be gone until my vacation in July. And so between now and then, you'll be sick of me and ready for me to go on vacation anyways. All right. So, uh, but uh, that's just the way the schedule kind of worked out. I don't like being gone uh, two Sundays in a row, but it's just kind of how... It worked out, but be a blessing to these men of God when they come and preach, and, and I know they'll certainly be a blessing uh, to you. Saturday, February the 25th, so that's a week from this Saturday, be the uh, annual Bacon and Bullets men. So if you hadn't signed up, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the outer foyer uh, there. If you'd like to go uh, just to the men's prayer breakfast, you're certainly more than welcome to, uh, to that. Just do go ahead and sign up. Write bacon next to your name. If you don't put bacon, we know you're in for bacon and bullets, all right? But we do kind of got to get a count uh, for the uh, restaurant there, the Golden Corral restaurant on Black Bob Road, and that'll be at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then we're going to try to finish up and head over to the Centerfire shooting range uh, by about uh, 9.30 or so. And uh, they said the earlier the better, and then we'll get over there and try to blow something up, all right, and have a good time. So if it's on the news, somebody blew something up, it's not my fault, it'll be Rich Raymer's fault back there, amen. So, amen, he said he'll take the blame. Then ladies, don't forget about February the 28th, which is on a Tuesday night, ladies meeting, that's at 7 o'clock. And do have quite a few things coming up in March. Of course, March, it tends to kind of get a little busy, though I feel like it's been busy, uh, but uh, we do have our uh, uh, youth rally, our annual youth rally in March, and, and excited about what the Lord uh, has for us uh, there. And so pray for Brother Jason Jett. Uh, he'll be preaching that and, of course, having a Heartland group with us and all of those things. So looking forward to those things. All right, let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight. And uh, just wanted to mention a few things uh, tonight uh, in prayer I do want to praise the Lord. Brother Will Kennedy had his uh, surgery uh, last Friday and is doing uh, good. And uh, so continue to pray for him. Heard he got tacos. And uh, so, yeah, amen. That means you're well on your way to recovery if you're Brother Will. Amen. And so do continue, though, to pray uh, for him. Also, if you would, pray for Brother Dan Wills, his... uh, um, Yep, Brother Dan Wills, his grandmother, uh, Margaret uh, Fountain, that's in the hospital, if you would continue to pray for him, then also certainly good, glad that uh, Jack and Lizzie Parker made it back from Japan. Do continue to pray for Brother uh, Donnie and Miss uh, Marilyn Carr as uh, they're uh, in Papua New Guinea, and so pray for them as they're traveling uh, back. And then did want to ask if you would continue to pray uh, for the uh, fellowship hall and gymnasium uh, remodel and, and stuff. And we've had some other things that broke downstairs in the bathroom. So we're just, we're just trying to keep it together right now, all right? Uh, but if you get over in the fellowship hall, uh, there's quite a bit gone from the ceiling tile, uh, thanks to uh, CJ over here. And, uh, but uh, sure thankful uh, for that. But do continue to pray for that. And I'll do, uh, after the service tonight, just going to take some time, kind of update you on some things as we do our financial uh, report. And then, of course, uh, also wanted to mention this under the unsaved, uncertain, uh, do pray for uh, John uh, Perez, that is uh, Miss uh, Kristen 
Uh, Kennedy's dad, he is in the hospital and not doing good, and, and certainly uh, pray for his uh, soul's condition. And just pray for the family at this time. I know they would appreciate uh, that. Anybody have an update or a prayer request or anything tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer? Okay, Miss Angel? Okay. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that's Miss Marie, and she's going to have eye surgery. And that's May the 15th. All right, they're not taking them out, are they? Not taking. Okay, I got you. Oh, sorry. It's a. Old joke, I guess. So, all right. So, we'll tell Miss Marie. We'll sure be praying uh, for that. Okay. All right, Miss Georgie. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a blessing. So we can take William Shutter off. He's uh, down there, uh, first column, uh, next to last name there. So praise the Lord for that. That's a real blessing. Okay, Brother Clark. All right. Good, and I was wondering how she was doing. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, we're whittling her down tonight. Amen. Anybody else got somebody we can take off? Amen. No, I'm just, no, any updates? Anybody else tonight? All right, Miss Sherry? Yes. 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 Yeah. Wow. Okay, all right, so let's just, we'll, I'm going to put side on there on my prayer list, but that's Miss Carrie Sheely, the second column there about halfway down, and just dear sweet lady, and got a big family there, and she's got a pretty uh, terminal uh, cancer situation, so pretty serious situation there, so let's continue to pray for that, absolutely. Anybody else tonight uh, have a prayer request or an update or anything like that, so. All right, uh, Brother Glazman. Mercy, brother. All right. So let's put Brother Glazeman on there and pray for his eye situation there. And we got to quit stressing him out so much. Amen. So we hopefully that pressure will go down. So also I uh, wanted to mention this. I forgot to mention this in the announcements. But if anybody would like to help uh, tomorrow, uh, there's going to be a lot of painting going on over at the uh, missions. Uh, house and Brother Glazeman came in uh, and uh, said he could use some help. There's some cleaning up, painting, all kinds of things to do. And so if you'd like to come in tomorrow and help out with that, you're most certainly uh, welcome. He said if he gets too much help, he'll just tell you what to do and then go take the rest of the day off. Amen. So, amen. Um, what a blessing, though. Sure, thankful for, man, it's just amazing, the transformation over there in that house. Just incredible. Let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. <clears throat> and looking forward to getting back into our study of Ephesians uh, tonight. I, I am mindful of some of the weather that's supposed to be uh, blowing in and, and how far people got to travel and things like that. So we'll try to 
get into this thing tonight, but certainly want to preach the Word. Amen. And looking forward to that. Brother Steve Parker, would you pray for us tonight, brother? Amen. Amen. Stand with me one last time, please. Let's, let's turn to page 651. Page 651, The Glory Land Way. We'll sing all three verses for our last song together tonight. Page 651. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today, yes, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for I'm in the glory land way. Listen to the call, the gospel call today. Get in the glory land way. Wanderers, come home, oh, hasten to obey. And get in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. 
I'm in the glory land wait. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for I'm in the glory land wait. Onward I go rejoicing in His love. I'm in the glory land wait. Soon I shall see Him in that home above. Oh, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer. Or I'm in the glory land way. Amen. Great singing. You, uh, please remain standing. Almost said, be seated. Don't do that. And get your Bible out and ready for the message tonight. Amen. Some of y'all were singing, I'm in the glory land way, but you didn't look like you were in the glory land way. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, appreciate the music uh, tonight and just good to be back uh, home. Ephesians and, and chapter number six tonight, the book of Ephesians and chapter uh, number six, and we're going to get back into this uh, tonight. Really, what I would say is one more uh, portion of Scripture here that, that deals with our, our roles uh, in, in an aspect of our life. And the Bible, really, this has kind of been the thought, even back into chapter five, where we saw the, the biblical roles of, of marriage. And then, of course, in the beginning of chapter number six, the biblical roles in the home. Parents are to be in charge over the, uh, the children, and children are to obey uh, their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. Uh, but look down at verse number 5, because now we're going to see what I would say the application is, our roles in the workplace. Okay? So notice what he says here in verse number 5. All right? The Bible says this, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that Whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond, all right, or free. So whether he is a slave or just basically what we would call an employee. Now look at verse number 9. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven." Neither is there respect of persons with him. All right, so here's the idea. Servants are to serve, and masters are not to abuse their authority. All right, that's basically the general idea here. All right, and the idea is this. When we do those two things, or we do those things, two things will happen. Number one, you will go far in life. I'm just, listen, listen, a lot of this stuff tonight is what I would call common horse sense, all right? But here's why it's, it's common sense, because much of common sense has its foundation in the biblical principles of the Word of God. 
All right? So I'm just saying, if you do these things tonight, you will succeed in life as an employee or an employer. But here's the second thing, and really what I would say is this, the, the greater importance, you'll be the testimony you're supposed to be. So that you and I can have an influence on the lost, even in the workplace. And we're going to look at that tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's uh, Word. Now, obviously, if you're like me, okay, and you see the terms servants and masters, then it does bring to mind the issue of slavery, okay? And, and certainly our country and the history uh, and mercy, all of the fanatical social justice and things that are going on in our day and time. And so, but here's, here would be my warning to you and I tonight. Be careful that you don't miss the forest for the trees, all right? Because though these terms are used, I want to say both publicly and emphatically that God is not supporting slavery here, all right? Slavery, really, when you begin to study it out, you'll begin to find out slavery is the invention of man, not God. It is a product of man's fallen nature, all right? And I, I don't want to delve off the fact that I, I cut out a bunch of my notes because uh, uh, I want to be a good steward of the time tonight, and I don't want to just get sidetracked and bogged down into this, into this situation. But you've got to understand that God is not supporting slavery. However, He does recognize the structure of every society, whether it includes slavery or not. All right? And the idea here is this, is that God does care about how His people handle authority, whether we've been given that authority or we've been placed under that authority. You understand what I'm saying? These terms are used because Slavery was a reality in Paul's day and time under the Roman Empire. In fact, we know this, and again, I don't want to go and look at other passages, but we know this, that though Paul was a Jew, all right, under the Roman Empire, he was also a free man because in his conversation with a centurion, he says this, he was freeborn. He was born in Tarsus. And so, in fact, in that conversation, you begin to find out this. There are some people that paid for their freedom. There are some people that were born into their freedom. But there were others who never attained to that freedom. And be a fact, a lot of them were God's people during these days. In times they were saved, but they were not necessarily an employee. They were a slave. Okay? So we've got to understand those things. And, and we also understand this, that even in the day and time in which we live in, unfortunately, slavery still exists today, and it exists in other countries. And I do want to say this tonight. I am certainly not going to go along with the foolishness of the quote-unquote woke agenda in America today that claims that things like black people in America are still in, in slavery. That is a bunch of baloney. That is absolute garbage that is spewed out from the liberal agenda. But I will say this. What, what amazes me is that while... America is focused on that nonsense. Human trafficking is taking place right up under our noses. 
it amazes me today the attention that mainstream media will give a crybaby wide receiver in the NFL or quarterback that wants to be that's being paid millions and millions and millions of dollars but wants to cry and whine that he's a slave for white people. You're an idiot is what you are. You're a crybaby is what you are. Uh, come on, you can look at me like a calf in a new gate, but you know I'm telling it right. Because here's what amazes me, is that he'll get all the airtime in the world from mainstream media, but yet at the same time, they'll ignore the Hollywood and the government elites who've been to an island with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And, and just as a side note, I did put it in my notes tonight that if I end up dead shortly, it wasn't by suicide. I'm just, listen, this stuff is nonsense. And it's very difficult to not to, to stay with the application of the passage and not just, just, uh, just, you know, just spend a whole night dealing with this junk. Maybe one day down the road I will, but I feel like this. It doesn't deserve my time. Because it's absolute and utter foolishness. And really, this is what you've got to understand. This crybaby stuff from the woke crowd is really just another product of the rebellious nature of man. And it is the complete opposite of the instruction found in the Word of God and the example of Jesus Christ. Who did come up in slavery and in bondage of the Roman Empire. You understand, be careful, be careful, friend, that you don't let this world shape your mind but also impact your attitude and your character. Because that's exactly what is going on today. People have made an idol out of their skin color and all of this stuff. In fact, I'll say this tonight. Don't come to me and go, well, you know, preacher, they're African Americans. No, they're black Americans. I'm not calling them that. I'm not buying into all that garbage. Just like I'm, an, I'm a white American. I, don't call me a European American. Or an Indian American, because I'm Scottish Indian. Now you know the problems I got going on. I'm at war with myself all the time, man. I, it's nonsense. It's, no, I'm an American, and I'm grateful that I'm in America. And that's the attitude that we should have. And as already mentioned, look, listen, because of the structure in our society, in America, the real application to you and me tonight, it is the roles of an employee and employer. And, 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 the, and again, the, the, the thought here is this is that if we'll follow these things, not only will we have success in life, but also this, you and I can have an impact on the lost in our workplace. I, I was just kind of thinking about this and, and did a little research and, and read some articles yesterday. And I want you to listen to these statistics. In one article, they interviewed some 50,000 people over the past 10 years who were in church. And, they said, and, and it said this, it says 70 to, 75 to 90% of those people said this, I began attending church because someone personally invited me. That's powerful, isn't it? But, but here's the thing, 86% of those that responded with that, were, they were people who were relatives or friends or co-workers of the people who were already in church inviting them to come to church. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? But here's the other staggering statistic that, that I found. They, they also surveyed uh, another thousand Americans who were attending church. This was another article by Christianity Today. And they were asked how often they invited others to church. 
Only 17% said that they extended one invitation. 21% said they extended at least two invitations. And 25% said that they extended three or more throughout the year. 9% said they don't know how many extend, uh, invitations they extended. And then it said this, three out of ten said this, they didn't invite anyone. That's 29%. Now the article did break it up because it was just a, you and I know this, that in Christianity as a whole, there's a whole plethora of denominations and groups and things like that. But it did say this, that among the Baptists, that number from 29% actually went down to 22%. But then this was what caught my attention. Among Midwestern Baptists, it went back up to 37% bunch of Midwesterns too scared to talk to people you mind your business I mind mine no they got a soul and you need to care about it yeah you know listen the reason I'm giving you this stuff is because outside of the home you and I understand this tonight that the workplace is where most Americans spend their time I realize since COVID things the, the dynamic has changed a little bit, but I'd also say this. I think some of these major cities, like I saw an article yesterday for, about New York City that's losing like 12 point something billion dollars a, a year because, all of, uh, because of remote working. They're starting to figure out this was a bad idea. We need all the people to come back into the city and buy our stuff and pay, uh, pay our taxes and all this stuff. So I'm just saying that's eventually going to come to a screeching halt. And and people are going to go back to the workplace if they're not already there. And so the idea is this, is that outside of the home we do spend most of our time in the workplace. However, we are losing generation after generation because we're not having an impact. We're not inviting people to church and we're not being the witnesses that we need to be. And I believe this, it really a lot of it falls back to this instruction and a lot of times our, our either our ignorance to what God has to say about the employees that we should be, or we're just not willing to follow it. And then when we begin to witness to somebody, we begin to be exposed for the hypocrisy that we're living because we're not the testimony that we need to be at work. Folks, I'm telling you, friend, listen, you, you don't have to be perfect, but you can have an impact. I have led people to Christ at work. I have been an influence on other people around me at work, getting saved and calling on the Lord, to which I say, glory, hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm not perfect. I can't believe my wife didn't jump up on the pew and go, amen. But I'm I'm not perfect. But if you're just, listen, if you're just genuine and real and trying to have a godly testimony and you care about the souls of men in the workplace, I'm just telling you tonight we can have an impact. And that's the idea of our text, all right? So let's look at this tonight. And the first thing that I see in verses 5 through 8 is what I would call the compliance of the employee, all right? So let's look there, verse number 5, okay? So beginning in verse number 5, it opens right up with the word servants, all right? Be obedient to them that are your masters, all right? According to the, the flesh, all right? The word servants right here, it literally means a slave, or a bondman, all right? But, but also at the end of verse number 8, there's an application, whether you're bond or, or free. But the idea here is this, is that it is one who is under contract to his master. All right? And in the same sense, as an employee, you are under contract to fulfill the duties in which you were hired for. 
And, and you and I, watch this, we are to comply with, with that. Hence the word obedient that follows right there, that, which is the main instruction to the servants. Servants, be obedient to them that are your, your masters, all right? This means that we are to do whatever we are told to do. That was deep, wasn't it? All right, but, but now, we, and obviously, look, this is within reason, and we'll deal with this in a moment, but it, it simply speaks to the submissive attitude to our authorities in the workplace that, that we should have. I remember when I was working in a welding shop in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and, and I just uh, hired in, and my supervisor's name was Randy. He, uh, he's the guy that, that hired me, and, and he came over one day, and he and I uh, were talking, and he was telling me about when he first... Uh, hired in, and, and he said, you know, I, I hired in, and, and my boss came over to me, and, and he asked me, he said, what do you, what do you think that your, your job is as a, as a welder uh, here in this, in this shop? And he said, he said this, he looked at his boss and said, whatever you tell me to do. If you tell me to go clean the toilets, then I'm going to go and clean the toilets. And if you tell me to sweep the floors, then, then I'm going to go and sweep the floors. And his boss looked at him and said, I like that. See, this is the same idea here. It's, listen, if you, if you have a job, you need to be thankful for it tonight and not complaining, complaining and, and griping about it. And by the way, that's probably one of the big reasons why he was the boss in the shop. It's because his attitude was what it was supposed to be. Listen, you're not going to move up the, the, the ladder when, 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 when all you do is refuse to do what you're told and then whine and cry like a, a spoiled child. But on the other hand, when you comply and you're obedient and you, and you do what you're hired to do, here's what I found, you'll go far. I mean, again, this is common. I, I have set my children down and told them these exact things. Dad, they, they want me to do this. Good, go do it. And do it, to the very, do it better than everybody else. Do, do it. Why? Why? Well, you understand because that's the idea here. That's the principle that's given here. Listen to this. The same Greek word for obedient that's used here is the same Greek word used in Matthew eight twenty seven when it says this: "The winds and the sea obey him." You understand when Jesus said, "Peace be still," the winds and the sea didn't go. Well, you know, let's back off a little bit. They didn't. They didn't, when he said, peace be still, they didn't go. <sighs> Staring at their phones. I, mercy, I'm so sick of that stuff. We, went, we stopped at Popeye's, Louisiana Kitchen, man, the other day uh, on our way back. Because we hadn't had, we hadn't had, and I, we just, listen, you, anyways, we needed something good. We pulled in there and... Uh, they, we were going to use the restroom. There was no toilet paper in either one of the rooms. And the manager looked at one of the girls and said, go put some toilet paper in the bathroom. And she said, okay. And my wife goes, about, uh, just a couple of minutes later, my wife looks over there, and there she, she's back over there in the corner. I wanted to go grab I saw a guy, I saw a kid in Walmart the other day that was standing there staring at his phone while he was supposed to be watching people at the self-checkout. Don't get me started on that. They should be paying me instead of him. I'm the one sitting there checking my stuff out. And he's staring there at his phone. And I used the basket to shop with. So when I got done, I set my basket down right in front of me. looked at me and I said, go put that up. And I walked out. 
Some of you are looking at me like, I can't believe you've done that. Listen, I've done a whole lot worse. Hang on. It's ridiculous. And the wind and the sea didn't go, eh, you know, we ain't got time for that. They, they didn't do those things. No, 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 friend. And they didn't, listen, they didn't go, well, give us about 10 minutes and then we'll finally do it. They didn't do it. No, they immediately ceased. They complied. And that's the idea of what Paul means here when he says, servants, obey, comply. Do what you're supposed to do when you're told to do it. In fact, notice some couple of things here, a few things here. Look, look at the master in the compliance. I want you to notice some key phrases down through here. Let's look at this and dive in a little bit deeper. Look at verse number 5. He says, servant, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. And then with fear and trembling and singleness of heart. But then look at this. As unto who? Christ. Look down at verse number 6. Now with eye services, listen to this. But as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Then look at verse number 7. With good will doing service. As to the Lord. Not, not, not to men. You understand this is telling us, this is what this is saying. This is the master in the compliance. You know, it's kind of like verse number one where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And that phrase, in the Lord, could really also be said, as unto the Lord. It's the idea that Christ is ultimately our master, that he's the one that's supposed to be over the home, and then mom and dad, and then the children. Is everybody getting this? And you understand, it's the same idea in the workplace, that it's the servant and the master, but then ultimately Christ is our master that we are to work for. Now certainly that says to us, all right, that says some things to us. It says this, that if our employer requires us to do something that is outside the boundaries of the Word of God, well, then we're not to comply. Because we're to obey God rather than man. Does that make sense? You understand, if it's something that is obviously, if it's something wicked or, or evil or something like that, absolutely not. But the greater thought here, all right, is that of accountability to the employee. See, just as children are to be accountable to their parents and ultimately Christ, so too are we to our masters. Folks, we are to be thankful for our jobs. I really believe this. I, I, have, I have, even since I've been saved, this, is, this has always been my, my attitude. We are to view our jobs as something that God ultimately gave us. I really, I believe that. I, because here's the thing, and when you don't, you don't have a compliant spirit in the workplace, then you've got to understand this, that number one, you're not right with your employer. But if you're not right with your employer, then, then here's the thing, then just as when parents, when children aren't right with their parents, they're also not right with God, then it's the same with us because Christ is ultimately our master. So if we're not right with our employer, then we're also not right with our God. Well, I just can't believe. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter if he's lost or saved. This is about you and your relationship, your testimony with Christ, friend, and your walk with God. And we are to, have, we are to be compliant. We are to have Christ-like attitudes even towards our employers. Okay, so, so what does that look like? Well, he begins to give us some of these manners of compliance here. Kind of show us what, what, what that looks like. Look at verse number 5. 
He says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Listen to what he says right here. He says, with fear and trembling. Does that mean, preacher, i got to go to work tomorrow like this? No, here's, here's the way I would put it. I think it's the idea of you and I having reverence instead of rebellion in the workplace. Does that make sense? The phrase fear and trembling, it does speak of respect and, and reverence to the employer. And, and, and again, by the way, we saw this in the roles of marriage. It, it doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter as to the character of the employer or employee, you know, the employer or whether or not they're safe. Your role to the your role as an employee is to simply comply. You are the servant and you are to respect them and do what you're told. And if they are of poor character, then here's what I've found in my life. God will take care of all that. The attitude of the world, friend, you and I know this, is to push the envelope in everything. It's to want $15 an hour for an entry-level job like flipping burgers. And that's where we're at today. Man, I can remember when I started working construction work and making barely above, uh, you know, like $6 an hour and $7 an hour. And my son went to Walmart for, for an hourly wage that I was like, that's what they were paying me when I was welding. When I, when I left welding and got out of ministry. And I'm like, you're just putting groceries in somebody's car. But you're paying for your Bible college, so I'm all for it. But that's the, that's the mentality of the world. To complain, to, to gripe about the company, to backbite the boss man. to Listen, and, and I don't know about you, but I have found that that kind of mentality and that kind of spirit, that stuff spreads like a cancer. It does. I can remember when I was in Pensacola and I was working in a huge chemical plant. Man, they were... I mean, they had something like 5,000 to 8,000 employees. We had our own, you know, you walked like about two miles from your parking lot to where you were going to work uh, that day. And I mean, some people today would be like, that's not, no, I'm not doing that. Well, if you, I guess you won't get paid. But I, we did that. We had our own doctor's office. We had our own uh, cafeteria and uh, uh, restaurant thing in there. Man, they had all that stuff. And uh, I can remember sitting in our break room with our, with our crew. We were a crew of probably about 25, 20, 25 guys. And, man, one guy would start, he would start griping about the wages. And then uh, another guy, man, he'd get in on it. And then another guy, he, man, and then the next thing you know, man, it's just spreading and it's spreading and going here and going there. And I'm sitting here on my lunch break, and I'm just trying to do my Bible reading. And, and I'm not paying attention to really what's going on. And I finally I stopped. And I'm listening to all this, and I'm listening to all this. And I look next to me, and there's this old iron worker, and he's an old-timer, and he looks at me, and he goes, he goes, I'm not going to complain like the rest of these guys. If I don't like what I'm getting paid, I'll go somewhere else and get paid more. I'm thankful for my job. And I looked at him and said, I like that, me too. I'm just saying to you, that's, that, that should be our spirit. That should be our attitude. Listen, if you don't like what you're getting paid, here, go find something else to do. It's just as simple as that. If you want to gripe and complain and you're not satisfied and content with your job, go find another one. Otherwise, have the Spirit of Christ and be thankful and be grateful. Here's another one. Look at what else he says. He says, not only with fear and trembling in verse 5, he says, in singleness of your heart. 
What, is, what does that mean? Well, here's what I wrote down. I think that means this, honesty instead of hypocrisy. And I, this has to do with both our character on the job, but also our character towards our employer and employees. If you tell your coworkers that you are a Christian, and by the way, I think you should. I had somebody tell me one time, well, that's a private matter. Not if you're saved, it's not. It's a bunch of baloney. It's not a private matter. God's called you to do that. And you should, but here's the thing. If you do, you better act like it too. And don't, listen, I'm telling you, I've worked with some of these guys on jobs, and they, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to the old, I had this guy tell me, I go to the oldest Baptist church in Christian County. And the next thing you know, man, I see him over there, and he's losing his temper and getting angry and cussing like a sailor. And everybody, listen to me, everybody in the shop who was lost knew it. And he was a joke. That's hypocrisy. That should not be yours and mine testimony in the workplace. But this also, listen, this also has to do with our accountability on the job. We're to show up on time. If your job gives you a 15-minute break, then let me help you with this. 15 minutes is not the same as 20. That's called stealing from the company. That's not honest. Well, preacher, everybody else is doing it, but you're not everybody else. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. In fact, we used to have this one guy. He used to make me so mad because he was a friend of mine that I went to school with, and I actually got him the job. But he, was, he turned out to be one of the most laziest individuals on planet Earth. But what was amazing was is that when the boss pulled up, all of a sudden he found motivation. Be a fact, if you weren't holding on to your shovel tight enough, he'd come and take yours from you. Give me something to do, man. And he'd be shoveling like crazy. We'd all be standing there talking to the ball because we've all been working. And then he'd be down there just shoveling away and looking like he's the only one working. And the ball support, and we're like, really? We're going to fix you. Hide all the shovels, boys, when the boss man pulls up. And don't let him have you. But, here, but here's what I found out later is that the boss man wasn't fooled. Look, look at the next thing here. Let's move along. Look at verse number 6. He says, not with eye service as men pleasers. And I believe what this is, is this is the idea of being heartily, working heartily instead of half-heartedly. And it, and it is kind of like the guy previously mentioned, but those who are half-hearted only, and only work when others are looking, they're looking for the applause of men rather than to be pleasing unto God. And God's people should not be this way. Listen to this. This is what I have often said. God's people ought to be the hardest workers on the job. We should be the workers our employees can trust and put confidence in. We should work and accomplish our tasks with heart. Almost like, this is what I would say. If I'm building something, I ought to be able to take it home and put it in my house. Sometimes I wanted to, just like so sit in the living room and go, look at what I did today. I remember when my daughter, Taylor, um, when she started working at Walmart there in Gardner, <clears throat> and I was dropping her off one day, and there was a kid that was pushing a few buggies and stuff, and, and he was just kind of, he's supposed to be, and he was just kind of standing around over there, and she said, Dad, she said, that guy, this is what he does. Sometimes instead of going out there and, and parking buggies, he, he does this. He goes, and the cameraman's going to have to wake up back there. 
he does this. He goes over in the corner and he just stands there. And this is what he does for, you know, I don't know how long. I'm thinking how much, how longer can you stare at the wall than that? That drives me crazy, right? Wouldn't this be awesome? All right, take your Bibles and turn to. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah. So it's crazy. Then my son got hired on. And we're driving up there. And I saw that kid again. And I told my, I told my boy, I said, if I ever catch you doing something like that. I said, I don't care if you're 6'3 or not. I will put you through the wall. Amen. You better work and work hard. This is what my son, when my son gets his little Walmart coat on and he goes into work uh, at night, this is, this is the things that I tell him. When he's, he says, Dad, I'm going to work. So, all right, love you, buddy. And then you can ask my wife. This is the next thing out of my mouth. Work hard. Because that's what I want in his mind when he's going to work. I want you to be better, work harder than everybody else. I, I don't know, why, why are we looking at me like I'm crazy? That's right. That's the way we ought to be teaching our kids. And that's the way we ought to be doing it. And, and here's the next thing. Look at verse number 7. He says, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord... And not unto men. So here's what he's, here's what I believe with goodwill. It's the idea of this being helpful instead of hindering. Whether you realize this or not, as an employee, you are an investment that the company has made. That means this: either you are an asset or you are a loss. So you're to be a good employee. Help your company by working hard, but also help the cause of Christ. By maintaining a godly testimony. Because here's the thing. You can either be a stumbling block to somebody or you can be a stepping stone for somebody receiving Christ as your Savior. And look at verse number 8. Let's pick it up here a little bit. But look at verse number 8. He says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be, whether he be bond." Or free, and this is what I like, this is the merit for the compliance. Listen, most every employee, at least the ones with any sense, are concerned about their compensation. How much am I going to be paid? How, how can I make more money? How can I move up the ladder? Because more responsibility typically means more money. And so Paul gives the answer here. Compensation follows a similar principle that he gave in Galatians chapter 6. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you want to reap the rewards of compensation, then you must sow a good work ethic. A poor work ethic will reap no or very little compensation. And again, this isn't deep theology, but we are dealing with a selfish, spoiled generation who wants much for little or nothing. And this is why... We have a people, we, we have, this is why people have a hard time understanding this and putting it into practice, but you better grab a hold of this tonight because whether it was Paul's day in, in, in 75 AD or 2023, honey, this is the way the world works. This is the way authority is structured. If you want to further your career, then you must put in the time and hard work and even the godly attitude. There's nothing wrong. 
And again, there's not, listen, there's nothing wrong with pursuing goals tonight. All right? And being a good employee, wanting to better yourself. Well, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But just don't let your employer become an idol or, or money become an idol. The love of money, all of those things, which is the root of all evil. Don't let those things supersede God and the Bible. Because you may reap earthly rewards, but you'll suffer when it comes to the spiritual rewards. Don't forget who's our master. And by the way, don't forget who's the one that gives the rewards in verse number 8. It says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the who? The Lord. It's ultimately God that gives us those things. And so we need to make sure to keep him in the right place. But the point tonight is to say this. That you and I can't expect a raise or a promotion within our job if we do not show, if we do not sow uh, good work work ethics. It's not going to fall in our lap. I'm telling you, I wish every, every one of the teens were up here tonight. They probably need this too. You, because this, well, I'm just waiting on it to happen. No, you got to go to work, son. You got to get out there and get after it. It's not going to fall in you. It must be earned. You, you must set a good example and have a good testimony as an employee. And the same goes for being an influence for Christ on the job as well. You cannot expect your fellow employees or even your employer to come to you for spiritual help. If you're not the godly example, you need to be on the job. You've got to exalt Christ in your attitude and in your work ethic. And you've got to earn their trust and show them you are genuine and real, and what I have found, and I'm just telling you this from personal experience, what I have found is this, is that they may not respond to the things of God right off, but eventually there's going to come a time and place in their life where they're going to need some spiritual help. And if you're the testimony you need to be, they're going to come to you for it. I remember a preacher telling a story one time about a guy in his workplace, it was a bunch of preacher boys, and they were all working together in the same factory. And there was an older gentleman that was in the factory. And he was making fun of all the preacher boys and giving them a hard time all the time and razzing them and stuff like that. And, but this one preacher, this one preacher, he didn't, listen, he didn't give in to it. He just kept being faithful and working hard. Some of the other preacher boys, they kind of compromised and started being carnal and all this stuff. But this, and this guy, man, he just never stopped razzing them and giving them a hard time and roughing them up and things like that and just, you know, barking at them and talking a bunch of trash and things like that. He said, but after about six months, his wife gave birth to a, one, of the, one of their children and the child wasn't doing good and the wife wasn't doing good and he thought they were going to die. He had to come back into work. He had to leave the hospital and come back into work. And he said that day, he said, that guy came to me and he said, hey, I want to talk to you. And they walked behind some of the machines at the factory. He goes, man, I was so scared. I thought he's going to beat me up. And he looked, at it, he looked at that preacher boy and he started crying and he said, this is what's going on in my life. And he said, all them other boys, they've compromised and they're, they're living like the devil. He said, but I've been watching you and you don't play around. You're serious about the things of God and I need some help. Can you help me? Called on the Lord and got saved. Amen. You listen to me tonight? I'm telling you, you and I can have an influence in the workplace. You and I can be the testimonies that we need to be and have an impact. That They'll come to us for spiritual help. We need to be ready when they do. Now, let me give you the next thing here. Look at verse number 9. And this is the last verse. He says, And you masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, 
threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there uh, respect of persons with him. And so this is the caution for the employer. It's kind of like when he dealt with the parents and, and, he, and the children. But then in verse 4, he began to deal with the father, all right, who was supposed to be the leader and in charge of the home. Well, now he's given a caution to the employers who are in charge of the employees. Now, I, I realize tonight that probably most of us tonight are employees. There are some who are employers, all right? But here's the other thing. If you are in a supervisor position or you own your own company, or here's, here's the thing. If you even hire somebody to do a job around the house, whatever the case may be, friend, whatever, you still have the responsibility to exemplify Jesus Christ. And here's what I would say to you. When he says this, he says, knowing what he says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man, or I'm sorry, verse number nine, and ye masters do the same things unto them. So here's what he's saying. You are to reciprocate those same attitudes. You're to, you're to be the same way. You're to have reverence to your you, you, just as the servants are to be honest and respectful and helpful. Christian employers uh, and, and those Christians who are in authority in the workplace, they should exercise those same attitudes, reverence and respect and helpful and honest and, and all of those things. If you hire somebody to mow your yard for $20, then you pay them $20. And you pay them right then. Don't go. Well, I'll pay you next week. And then they come to you and go, where's my money? Well, I'll pay you next week. Well, I'll... I'm just telling you, man. I pulled Josh's tooth the other day. And I, give him, I was going to give him $5, but I had to spend all my cash. And so the next day he's going, hey, you got my $5? I'm t- I can't hardly sleep at night. I came in, I, came, I got back from Indiana. And I came in Tuesday. I said, here's your $5. Praise God he didn't charge me interest. I love that kid, man. He's awesome. Some of these kids, you got to watch them. They find that stuff out and then they're laying in bed at night just trying to get stuff loose. And I'm telling you, if they come to me with a loose adult tooth, I'm pulling it. I don't. You're an employer. You're to reciprocate those same attitudes. But here's the other thing I believe he says, and that's this. You're to remember your master. You know what? When it's all said and done and we're all up in heaven, you know who's going to be there? Masters, servants. And guess what? Guess what? When we get there, there ain't going to be no masters and servants. We're all going to be on a level playing field and we're all going to be servants. And He's the master. And you and I are going to have to stand and give an account of Him, whether you be a servant tonight or, or a master, and we're going to have to give an account of Him, our testimony in the church and in the home, and even in the workplace. And the idea here is to say this, don't, don't abuse your authority because ultimately He's the one that's over you. And I listen, I'm telling you tonight, and I was thinking about this even as my role now as a pastor, not, not as a welder or something like that. And I'm telling you tonight, I believe this, I believe one of the big reasons why a lot of pastors get into trouble in ministry today is because they forget this one right here. They don't fear God like they're supposed to. 
I'm telling you, they, get, they start stealing money. Man, I'm scared to death. That's God's money. That ain't my money. And our men, our officers and our deacons have heard me say that. That's the way I feel about it, and I don't want that to ever change. And I'm just saying some of the crazy stuff. We're to remember those. We're to remember who's ultimately in authority here. But let me give you the last thing tonight, and I'm done, and that's the, the composition of all of this. All right? And it's not in a verse here, but I just I want to point this out. As already pointed out, listen to this. No matter what role you are in, employee or employer, the fulfillment of that role, according to this passage, is not determined by the other's fulfillment of that role, of their role. Does that make sense? In other words, if I'm a Christian tonight and I'm working for a non-Christian employer, guess what? I'm still called to do those things regardless. Or if you're an employer who's Christian and you've got non-Christian employees, you're still called to do those things tonight regardless. But here's the second thing that I want to point out. And this is, and this is something that we frequently pointed out. As you and I are dealing with this idea of this structure of authority, whether it be the marriage or the home or even in the workplace, every bit of this goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 where he says, Be ye not drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. And here's what I have found in my own life. Whether it be the marriage or the home or the workplace, you're never going to fulfill any of those roles if you're not walking with God and filled with His Spirit. I remember when I was welding in a shop in Springfield and uh, it was starting to get warm and starting to get hot in the summertime and so they, we had a big meeting and they said, fellas, we're going to move, we're going to move our starting time up from 7 a.m. to 5 a.m. so that we can come in earlier before the heat of the day and we can get the bulk of our work done. And so we'll probably get off at 1 o'clock, and 1.30 instead of 3.30. And what we begin to find out was that wasn't happening. We were actually just working longer. <laughs> That's all right. Make more money. 5 a.m. though comes early. And I thought to myself, my sleep is very valuable to me. So I'd get up about 4 o'clock, get the shower, coffee. No, it's actually more like about 4.30. Sometimes you don't really need a shower. You're just welding. Coffee, though, you can't do it without coffee. Go to work. Start work at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know what I started realizing? I started losing my temper really easy. I'm sure you've never done things like that before. And after about two or three days, I started realizing just how distant I was from God and how it was impacting my testimony at work. I had such a lack of patience with the things that I was working on. And I was getting angry and frustrated with the projects I was trying to put together. And even people were starting to take notice of my edginess and sharp words and things like that. And I had to go back and make some changes. And I said, I'm getting up at 3 or 3.30. And I started spending time in the Bible and spending time in prayer. And then you know what happened? I went into that shop and it wasn't anger anymore. It was patience and grace. It wasn't frustration. It was joy. 
And what I found was this. People started taking notice of that too. Folks, what, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this. Is that every one of these goes back to our walk with God. If you want to fulfill this role and be successful in life, it goes back to a walk with God. More importantly, if you want to have an impact on those around you to see them get saved, get in church, live for Christ, it still goes back to you and me having a walk with God. Let's all stand tonight.